You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Nobody knows your mission better than you, but sometimes you need someone to help you move the ball downfield. Whether by telling your story a little bit better, creating a fundraising strategy, engaging stakeholders, or improving culture. That's where I come in. I'll bring a combined decade's worth of experience in nonprofits, consulting, and politics to help your organization reach the next level. I practice an internal growth model, which means I work with your team to make strategic improvements using your existing strengths. So if you're ready to take that next step, reach out. You can find me at my website, jshiftman.com, and I can't wait to hear from you. Spread love. Choose a struggle. Hello and welcome to another Monday Motivation episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Today, a little bit of a, I don't want to call it a trigger warning, but, but just a heads up. We're talking about caste, we're talking about racism, we're talking about tough topics that I'm not going to get 100% right. But that's okay, we need to be able to, to talk about these things and and. and that's the point of these Monday motivations is to hear from you. Now, as I said on the Friday podcast, big shout out to my listeners in Germany who percentage-wise, and, and, and to make that more clear, what percentage of people who are listening in that country to each episode, my listeners in Germany love the Monday motivation. So shout out to the listeners in Germany. I want to hear from some of y'all. Uh, I would love to hear why these episodes are so cool to you or why these are these are things you support so today we're talking about cast and, and i just finished reading that book which you should all go check out cast was written by isabel wilkerson who famously wrote the warmth of other sons really fantastic writer formerly of the new york times and it's all about challenging our perceptions for things that we would immediately say oh that's racism and the two go hand in hand, and this is where I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say this perfectly. Uh, you should read the book, but but what Isabel Wilkerson was saying was that it goes beyond that. That simply labeling things as racism when they are clearly uh, against those of a different race is kind of too easy, and it it ignores a lot of the deeper issues, and that's where caste comes into play now. For those who are not familiar with this concept, essentially what uh, Isabel was saying was that the U.S. system has a lot of similarities to the Indian system, which is very clearly a caste system because they're all the same race. You know, there's there's not that overt racism like there is here. So she makes the comparison between the Dalits, the the untouchables as they're called in India, and blacks in the South uh, during Reconstruction, and even still to today. Go read it. Fantastic book. But it made me think about an episode from my life. Uh, obviously, as a white man, it was not, I was not on the receiving end, but it was sort of a wake-up call. Um, now, this is a, a ridiculous story. There, there's no other <laughs> word to describe that. But in Cincinnati, I owned a condo in the neighborhood of East Walnut Hills, which is where uh, I used to live. I used to live in this condo. I was on the board of the Redevelopment Foundation for the neighborhood. We did a lot of work around trying to make sure there was equitable solutions to things like housing and development. Uh, I was the vice president of that board for a while. 
But during this time, I lived first in a condo, and then when my wife and I bought a house, we, we moved out of that. And, and the condo was in a gated building. Uh, it was an old schoolhouse, really beautiful building, and sort of not like the rest of the neighborhood. And uh, I bought it because when I got it, I was, I was single. It was a perfect bachelor pad. There were no sort of uh, other intentions other than, wow, I get to live in this penthouse condo, living live in large, right? I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. But that's not why most people lived in this building. They lived in it because the, this neighborhood was centrally located, and you were right outside of downtown, but you didn't pay the downtown prices. Um, there was good food nearby. It, like I said, it was, uh, you're right off the highway. I mean, it, it had everything you're looking for if you were a person who wanted to be near downtown but didn't want to live in downtown. Now, the neighborhood itself was mostly black. It was majority minority. Uh, and for a long time, it was forgotten by the city of Cincinnati. In fact, you know, when my grandparents' generation was growing up, this was sort of the second downtown. But over the last, you know, 40, 50 years, it had become a neighborhood that most of the city tried to forget uh, intentionally. I mean, it was a black neighborhood that, that had the first black uh, business district in the city. And the city was just like, <laughs> y'all on your own for a long time. So. Uh, this building was sort of, it stuck out like a sore thumb. It was right in the middle of other, uh, it, was, it was the only white community at, in this part of the neighborhood. And a lot of people moved in um, before and after me for that reason. Uh, they were redeveloping parts of the neighborhood, so it was you know, speculation, and they wanted to be near the the downtown scene and near the sort of the some of the new restaurants coming into the neighborhood, that kind of thing. But they didn't want to live in the neighborhood. I mean, flat out. That's why they got this building. It was, you know, you had to have uh, a code to get in the gate. You had to have a code to get in the front door. It was not a communal <laughs> thing at all. Uh, it was very much a, you know, people wanting their privacy. And when I moved out, when my wife and I moved into our house, I rented my condo to uh, a <laughs> well-known rapper, uh, Talib Kweli. He, for those of you who are fans, he, he is, you know, Cincinnati's big for him. It's where he got his start with a group called Mood. And, uh, you know, he and High Tech, who's from Cincinnati, a producer, did some of the most, some of Talib's best work together. So his um, sort of business manager approached me and said he's looking for a place near downtown but not in downtown, and you know, private enough that he can have his alone time, and that's why they wanted my condo. And so I, I never, I never met Talib. Uh, I, I worked exclusively with his business manager, and um, they rented it. And, and you know, occasionally she would send me pictures just to be like, "Hey, this is cool." And you know, it'd be Talib, Mos Def, Dave Chappelle, guys like that, chilling, you know, in my condo, and that was really cool to me, right? Uh, but very quickly, it became apparent that the rest of the building was just aghast, pearl clutching over this episode, over the fact that they had this famous rapper living in the building. Now, not everybody. I don't want to. I don't want to make it out to seem like everybody. Uh, there was a select few who were the loudest voices, but they set out from the start to drive him out of the building, and it was ugly from the beginning. Not a month into them living there. The first complaint was received about loud music. And I'm not going to say that they didn't play loud music. I'm sure that they did. Uh, but they were far from alone in doing that. For some more context, 
Um, you know, I lived there for two years. The, the walls were not, you know, they weren't thin, but they weren't, you know, you could hear through them. Uh, there were people who had parties. There were people who, <laughs> I think the best story I can say is, is when I got off the elevator, actually with my parents and my realtor, uh, we were just, you know, spending a Saturday afternoon looking at places and we get off the elevator on the fifth floor where, where the, the top where I ended up buying this condo and weed smoke was so thick in the hallway, it, you could like see it. And my dad looked at me and said, well, I guess you got to buy it now, you know, and that's how that's how this this building was. So it was very much sort of a live and let live thing until a famous rapper moved in. Now, there were some warning signs. Uh, There was only one other black resident in the building, and she moved out about three months after I moved in and, and pulled me aside. We had started a conversation in the hallway, and so we knew each other. We weren't we weren't close, but we knew each other. And uh, she pulled me aside and was like, just letting you know, you know, they've been very rude to me. This is, I, I can't live here anymore. Uh, you know, and, and it was sort of the kind of thing like you're one of the only people that actually talks to me. So there, there were warning signs that this wasn't going to be a good situation. But Talib, you know, paid his rent and, and I was cool with it. I was like, yeah, I've got a, this awesome rapper living here that I've looked up to since I was in middle school, right? But like I said, a month in, the first complaint for loud music, and then uh, when I didn't do anything, I was just like, well, whatever, you know, it, people do shit like that in this building all the time. It became an onslaught, and by the nine months in, uh, I got a, le- a letter from the, the managers of the building that they were going to be evicted if I didn't kick, you know, kick them out myself. And that was through a clause in the lease that, that or in, in the, the ownership that said that if you were renting it to someone else, you know, and they were bad tenants, they reserved the right to kick them out, that kind of thing. So uh, I immediately fought it. I, I said, you know, I had the right to have a disciplinary hearing. And, and they said, great, bring them. I said, no, 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 I'm coming, <laughs> you know. And uh, I sat down. And, and, and the, the day before this, uh, I actually knew somebody in the building. We'd been friends for about 20 years. It just, it just coincidence we both lived there. And she called me to tell me that she was one of the people that complained. And her complaint was about a man throwing trash on the ground in the parking lot. Uh, or, or outside the parking lot, I should say, on the sidewalk. And I said, well, how do you know this person was going to my condo? I mean, was it Talib? And she said, no. And I said, well, how do you know? And she said, well, he's a black guy. Now, to be clear, this was outside the, the unit. It was in front of the unit on the sidewalk. This was just a guy walking past who threw trash on the ground. Now, you shouldn't throw trash on the ground, obviously, but this had nothing to do with the unit. And she wrote a letter complaining because he must know Talib because he's black. <laughs> How ridiculous is that, right? Now, that's pretty overt racism. So anyway, I get to this hearing, and the complaints are everything from, like I said, the one about the trash to loud music to um, somebody who, oh, this was ridiculous. Someone, someone who, uh, used a code to enter the building who clearly didn't live there, which is a thing that we all did. I gave my code to everybody. I didn't care if I trusted them. It means that they weren't going to rob the place. It means they were coming over and I didn't want to have to go down to the main floor to let them in. That's ridiculous. It was, it was a five minute trip to get down to the main floor. So I would just give them my code. We all did that. Uh, but that was a complaint. Uh, smoking weed. There was somebody on the third floor who lodged a complaint because uh, they could smell the weed smoke. 
And they took that complaint for face value. It wasn't, oh, well, maybe somebody else on your floor is smoking weed. Nope. Had to be the rapper on the fifth floor, right? So I hear all of this, and I bring up the fact that I had gotten this call from one of the complaint, uh, the people who'd written a complaint about that one about the person throwing trash. And luckily for me, somebody else who knew her <laughs> in a moment of compassion was like, um, actually, I know that person. She's racist. We can disregard that complaint. And so I had my in. I was like, well, is it possible? You know, we're admitting that that one was pure racism. Is it possible that these are mostly because of race? And uh, you would have thought that I told them to go fuck themselves. They were so pissed at me that I would even, uh, you know, say that racism could play a role in this. They threw me out of the room. They said, this hearing is over. We have, we're citing against you. Get out. It was that quick. It was like literally the person got up, opened the door and said, you need to leave now because I dared uh, accuse them of maybe allowing race to play a role in this, in this situation. Uh, so now what I did was I immediately called a realtor and I said, I'm selling this place uh, because if I didn't, they were going to go to court and get Talib and, and his business manager evicted from the building. Uh, and I would not stand for that. Um, and I contacted Home, which is an organization uh, that, that works on housing uh, in situations like this. And they filed a complaint with the city against the, the, the management company, against the, the board in the, the, the condo board. But nothing came of that, you know, and so I sold the building. I, you know, I didn't lose money. I didn't make as much as I would have if I'd held on to it, but whatever. I, I just was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let this happen. So looking back, was there racism at play? Of course there was. I mean, the whole thing was based on racism, but more than that, I'm now aware th through reading this book, through having conversations with people that the bigger issue there was cast, that here was a building full of upper class white people. This was not a cheap building. It was it's an expensive building to live in. And they were so angry that somebody from a perceived lower caste was allowed into their building and allowed to just live their life. You know, Talib wasn't hurting anybody. Did he play loud music at times? I'm sure he did just like other people in the building. Did he allow other people to have his code? I'm sure he did, just like other people in the building. Did he smoke weed? Hell yeah, just like I did. I smoked with one of the neighbors who lodged a complaint against Talib for smoking weed. That is a simple fact. I smoked with these people. They later complained, complained against Talib for smoking weed in the building. So... <laughs> What's clear there is, it, yes, it's because he's black, but more than that, it's because that this was a group of people that this, you know, the people living in this building had done their best to get away from. You know, this was their space in their minds. This was a rich white people's space. They paid, you know, what they thought good money to be in this building. They shouldn't have to be around other people that weren't like them. And that was the bigger issue here. Um, now, obviously, like I said, racism was a major factor, but at that point, Talib could have been anyone that wasn't a rich white person, and there, the same issue would have been at play, because to these people, they, he, was, he was just other, and he didn't deserve to be around them in doing the exact same things they were. It was, it was a challenge to them. It was uh, forcing them uh, to be uncomfortable. And that is why he was driven out of the building. So, you know, like I said, I've never actually spoken to Talib, just his business manager. 
if somehow Talib, you hear this, you know, uh, I'm sorry for what you went through <laughs> in my condo. If somehow one of the people who lives there hear this, you know, I'm not, I haven't forgotten this. And the more the, the end of that story is, um, I left that hearing and drove to my favorite, uh, one of my favorite nonprofits in Cincinnati. It's a, it's a really incredible organization called Mortar that a couple of buddies of mine were running at the time, uh, that sought to do business training and, and entrepreneurship support for traditionally ignored communities, mostly black in Cincinnati. Uh, and I made a small, not a, not a large donation, but a small donation in honor of that building. And it was like, look, if you're going to do this, I need to offset this in some way that I can feel comfortable with. And that is by making this donation. So uh, obviously that's not enough. And, and there is no, there was no win here. We all lost. But I needed to do something to feel better and feel like I could offset it even just a little bit. So anyway, that's my story about <laughs> watching the cast discrimination at play. I want to hear from you. Let me know your stories. As usual, the first person to reach out gets a magnet. Anyone who reaches out gets a sticker, including those overseas. I will find a way to get something to you. So reach out. Like I said, Germany, I want to hear from y'all. Netherlands, I want to hear from y'all. You'll heard your shout out on last episode too. Everybody, I want to hear from you. Most importantly, have a great week and choose your struggle.